welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. You're invited to join us on air asking your questions by calling in on the local rate phone numbers in the UK and the US, which can be found on ldnradio.org. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Jill Brook, who's a nutritionist and researcher. Jill also suffers with severe POTS and MCAD and takes LDN. She's one of the research advisors to the LDN Research Trust. And she had a birthday yesterday, but I won't tell you how old she is. Today our guest is Shannon Garrett, who is an autoimmune and thyroid women's wellness specialist, nurse educator, holistic wellness and lifestyle consultant, and certified nurse nutritionist. by ShannonGarrettWellness.com Thyroid nurse specialist and certified functional nurse nutritionist Shannon Garrett is a Hashimoto's patient dedicated to supporting women struggling with Hashimoto's, hyperthyroidism, adrenal fatigue and hormone balance to find remission. She understands and is proof you can reverse thyroid and autoimmune conditions and enjoy life again. Check out shannongarrettwellness.com. And we have another Hashimoto's question from Elaine. And she said, for those of us taking LDM with Hashimoto's, what signs should we look for as an indication that we need to lower our thyroid medication? Well, we're looking for hyper symptoms. And that can be subjective. So, you know, that's why I mentioned earlier we want to... Um, at least three days a week at the same time, you know, just set a time that these are the days I'm going to check my heart rate, check my blood pressure, uh, check my basal body temperature. And you want to look for changes that indicate you are possibly going hyper because that can happen and it, it can happen abruptly. So, in that scenario, um, you would want to, of, of course, work with your your practitioner who prescribed your LDN, and it it may or may not be the same practitioner who prescribed your thyroid hormone, but you do want to work with your practitioner on t- 
titrating slowly your thyroid hormone downward. You don't want to abruptly stop um, thyroid hormone, but you need to be educated on how to titrate it down safely. Mm -hmm. And she also says, what are examples of symptoms and signs that others have experienced when going hyper on LDN? Okay, so your systolic blood pressure, if it's increasing, um, you know, regularly on a pattern or exceedingly high, if you have um, a heart rate that's above 100, that's considered tachycardia. <clears throat> Anything 100 and below is, is normal. Um, if it's not normal for you, if you're someone who has a regular heartbeat of 80 beats per minute and it's jumped to 95 or 100, you may be going hyper. Hmm. Those are the two main um, markers. Mm -hmm. And then if, you're, if, you're, if you see those objective results, uh, assessments, you know, that you're taking at home in conjunction with you feel like you're perspiring and you feel like your um, breathing rate is increased or you just feel on edge and higher, you know, level of anxiety in conjunction with your objective data, you're probably going hyper. Well, that's very good. Thank you. We have a question here from um, Leanne, and she says um, she's taking LDN for Hashimoto's. Will LDN stop an epidural or pethidine from working during labor? I'm to be induced soon, and I'm wondering whether I should stop the LDN for a few weeks until I have recovered. Mm -hmm. So LDN blocks opiate receptors on the cells, which means that any opiate-derived medication that's used um, is not going to be effective. In other words, it's not going to help the pain at all. So I would... Uh, I would discuss with the anesthesiologist or her practitioner uh, what the medication will be. Um, if it's an opiate-derived medication, is it possible that it could be substituted and still get the same results? Uh, if not, I would go off the medication, go off of LDN to at least two weeks prior. The good news is that she will be able to go back on LDN right away because she probably won't be prescribed post-op, you know, post-delivery pain medication. Well, I'm really interested in your book, Shannon. I know it's a marvellous book and it's really helped so many people. Um, as I was saying, it's the Hashi Sister's Guide to Low-Dose Naltrexone. Would you like to tell us about that? Sure. So, you know, I wanted to give women a useful tool that they could share with their practitioner, you know, so I, I was hoping we could just start a chain reaction, so to speak, of, of awareness and education about the proper and safe ways to use LDN in patients with Hashimoto's. Um, I've seen physicians willing to prescribe LDN, and, and that's wonderful, but I've also seen Hashimoto's patients being started out on too high of a dose, and 
Not an understanding of, for example, it's best to try to eliminate candida. I didn't mention that earlier um, before starting LDN. Um, it's also beneficial to correct nutrient deficiencies, diet, thyroid hormone, just looking at the whole picture. And then also assessing a woman's willingness and readiness to embrace the journey of beginning LDN because it may be a bumpy road, it may not be, but it doesn't need to be something to fear and it doesn't need to be an issue where we, you know, are advising women to stop the LDN if those things occur early on. So, as I said, I just wanted to give them tangible, you know, educational information and I do encourage in the book that they share it with their practitioner. Actually, the number one purchaser on my list of purchasers for that book have been nurse practitioners and physicians. So I love that because, uh, you know, if they can find it as a useful tool and and guide and support their patients better, then, then that's a home run for all of us. The link to your book is on your website. And it explains. Yes, it's on the website. It's on the it's on the home page, and it's on the blog. Um, also included with it is a um, anti candida menu plan. Um, access to a secret Hashimoto support group, <laughs> and um, it's it's been really well received. And it's only seven dollars. <laughs> yes, an absolute bargain. And. We we have it come up all the time that people say, you know, I've got candida. How do I get rid of candida? Mm-hmm. What do they have to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are really some effective um, interventions for candida. Uh, grapefruit seed extract can be extremely helpful. Um, it's available in oral drops or tablets or caplets, rather, and the oral liquid is thought to target any candida from the esophagus up, and the caplets will target anything lower in the GI tract. It's been a very effective product. Uh, There's also a product called Candex that's sold over the counter. Both of these products are sold over the counter uh, that, that can break the cell wall of fungi, so it's effective for candida. You also can't rely on supplements to to take. We can't rely on supplements to take care of any of our problems, Mm -hmm. of course, but uh, the same is true with candida. So you want to make sure you're avoiding processed sugar, you know, anything high in sugar because um, candida, that's, that's food mm-hmm. for candida is sugar. Uh, so those are pretty effective diet, those two products I've seen high success with. And, you know, that's really contingent, too, upon the growth a, a woman may have of candida. Is it systemic or is it just confined to the GI tract? You know, we have to sort of understand what we're dealing with to put a good protocol together. But in general... Those are two great products and focusing on an anti-candida diet. And how would you know if you had candida? What would the symptoms be? Well, this one symptom is that 
you're driven to, to sugar. Of course, that could be a hormone imbalance, too, but cravings for sugar. Um, bloating can be a, a sign, but that can be something else, too. So we really like to test. You know, uh, often patients will say, you know, I'll just do a anti-candida protocol and then I'll immediately start LDN. Well, I really, as low cost as the testing is, is these days, um, the stool testing for candida, I really encourage to to get that baseline to, to confirm or rule out that candida is actually an issue for you. And then um, we can curtail what type of regimen we would put together based on that information. Mm -hmm. So if you think you've got candida, it would be a good idea to go to your own doctor to get it checked out and have a stool test. Is that what mm -hmm. you're saying? Mm -hmm. That or there are also self-ordered lab testing options that a woman can do today. So, for example, you can go to direct labs or Ulta labs and order a stool test that would test for candida. You would want to read the description of the stool test and make sure that candida is included, but with most of them it is. And... Um, um, get that get that checked out, mm -hmm. and I encourage, of course, sharing the results with your doctor. Yes. We're not we're not self treating, <laughs> but you can self order. The test. Well, if people feel that they have got candida and the test isn't very expensive, it's a, mm -hmm. a sure way of finding out for sure, isn't it? Before you start to look at other things but oh yes sugar you know, i love objective data and i don't like to guess yes <laughs> at what we have going on with the body that that's just a never-ending you know tunnel um, when we start to guess but you know you can assume in most cases if you have an autoimmune condition and your diet's not perfect that you may have a candida issue so if you're serious about going on a medication like LDN, um, my stance is why not test, you know. There's just really not a valid reason not to. We, we have a question here from Cindy, and she seems to have a lot of conditions. She's got uh, possible chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, adrenal fatigue, depression, anxiety, and possibly undiagnosed autoimmune diseases. She said she's had some results with LDM, which have been amazing, but I've had a hard time finding the right dose. I believe the LDM has helped with my fatigue, and I've been able to lower my thyroid meds. I believe it might be the right dose at three milligrams. That was when my fatigue was the best. But as we entered winter, I experienced SAD again. I need to know if LDN should be able to help with SAD. Also, I need to know if there's a recommended dosing twice daily is the best way to treat autoimmune diseases and mental health issues. Hmm. So with her entering into SAD and she suspects um, autoimmune conditions, and I believe she said she has hypothyroidism, correct? Yes. yes. And so adrenal fatigue. I would, I would really, 
Yeah, I would definitely look at her vitamin D levels um, because that's closely linked to um, whether we are converting or if it's closely linked to whether T3 is getting inside the cell or not because of the way vitamin D plays a role in receptors on our cells for thyroid hormone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a mouthful. But that could definitely be, be a factor because with chronic fatigue, hypothyroidism, depression, you know, it may not just be LDN-related and the, the dosing centered, centered around that or even the filler. It could be um, a mechanism of vitamin D because this, these are common issues um, this time of year when vitamin D levels naturally drop. So I would definitely look at, look at that, retest vitamin D, uh, retest maybe just free T3 and free T4 just to see where she stands. And optimize those levels if if it is a, if they are factors. Um, with the LDN, I will say that I've worked with lots of women who have fibromyalgia, um, and they have, for the most part, had success with LDN at the three milligram dose. I have, however, seen women who have needed to stay at the 4.5 milligram dose for fibromyalgia. Um, what's, what would be the factor here is, um, is her hypothyroidism related to Hashimoto's or is it subclinical hypothyroidism? So there are just some unknown factors there. Mm -hmm. But just as a beginning point, I would look at, I would actually look at vitamin D3 levels and her free T3 and free T4. Okay, I'm trying to work out this question here from Medina, and she says that she's so glad that she can submit her questions by emails. The question she has is, mm -hmm. I've started LDN on 1.5 milligram, and after about a week experienced two episodes, both times after drinking coffee, once again after an oyster mushroom, and I'm not sure if that played a part. But I got chest tightness, racing heart, lightened head, and the feeling I couldn't control my breathing that I might, might pass out. The first time it was so bad I went to ER. My doctor isn't sure why it happened. I've stopped taking it for a couple of weeks and intend to restart on 0.5 and go slowly increasing while avoiding coffee. Just curious if anyone has experienced this with coffee in your experience or if it likely indicates a sensitivity or an allergy to the medicine itself. Um, it hasn't happened again uh, since, and hopefully I will soon have benefits of LDN as I want to try again. So I have had this happen, this, this exact same scenario happen in a couple of people, and it happened um, with coffee and it happened with red wine. <clears throat> extreme anxiety, you know, if coffee didn't create uh, this type of anxiety for her before LDN, there is some association. We just don't always necessarily know what it is. Now, with the mushroom, you know, I'd, who knows? It could be a, a sensitivity issue, but maybe not. Um, obviously, if she hasn't had the symptom since she's been on the 
2.5 milligram dose and she's avoiding coffee, then that's what she wants to continue to do until she's at least past this threshold of the initial titrations of, uh, did she say she's a Hashimoto's patient? Well, she, so. she didn't actually say, but she knew that you were going to be talking on that, but she does add... Uh, just mm -hmm. to add, my TSH levels were in the normal range when it happened. It hasn't happened before, and it hasn't happened since the LDN. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I would definitely avoid coffee. Anything that could possibly trigger anxiety, what she has had is panic, anxiety, stress issues in concert with... LDN and it sounds like triggers, so I would avoid the triggers mm -hmm. um, at least until if she is if she does have Hashimoto's, she would at least want to avoid any um, triggers like this, especially coffee or alcohol. I'm not familiar with the mushroom being a trigger for stress, but um, anything's possible. Uh, so I would. Definitely avoid those, and if she is a Hashimoto's patient, she's going to be titrating her dose, um, increasing her dose slowly over time. I would wait until I'm past all of that and successfully titrated, gone through all the raises, and returned to the maintenance dose until I reintroduced coffee because it's just not worth it. Mm. Oh, definitely not to, to feel like that. Not good at all. No. There are many people with thyroid conditions that don't realize they they have thyroid conditions. And I'm told that some people that have mm -hmm. blood tests, they come back negative when they're actually, they should be positive for thyroid. Mm -hmm. Now, if we've got an mm -hmm. autoimmune disease and we think there might possibly be a thyroid element to it, what would we feel? What would we know to look for? And what would we need to go and ask the doctor to do? to get a, a correct test. So what I what I yeah what I encourage all women to do is, you know, when I was talking earlier about a woman's willingness and readiness assessment, part of that is being willing to <clears throat> keep copies of your own records. So it's very important to keep copies of your thyroid labs and to advocate and request for the correct thyroid labs like free T3 and free T4 and testing for the antibody panels, <clears throat> so um, TPO antibodies and thyroglobulin antibodies. But what you want to watch for is, you know, no one's going to care about more, care more about your health than you do. Um, and you just want to, if, if the antibodies aren't showing up yet, but you have these classic hypothyroid symptoms like fatigue and feeling cold and gaining weight, you know, despite starving yourself, um, it, it points to um, possible autoimmune activity where the antibodies just aren't showing up yet. But in terms of your for example, your free T3 and your free T4 levels, you want to look for changes. You want to look for patterns, like are these numbers trending down over time? Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So are they consistently falling? Are they low normal? Are they um, mid-range 
you know, how are they trending? And just, you know, tune into that and pay attention. Um, even if they're in the normal range, if they're low normal, that's still that may still be too low. You have to look at the numbers in concert with where is the TSH and then in conjunction with a woman's symptoms. But it's just super important to keep copies of your your own numbers, request those reports every time. What I recommend women do in terms of frequency for testing is every four months to test these basic thyroid markers and watch the trends. You know, you want your baseline and then you want to watch every three to four months. How are they trending? Mm-hmm. Are they trending up? Are they trending down? And I always also, even if a woman's on thyroid medication, when she gets her own copy of her report, you know, I have her note on there, what does this what does this lab reflect in terms of your thyroid dose? What is the dosage you're on? <clears throat> you know, what is this value reflecting? You won't remember a year down the line necessarily. And also maybe even note your symptoms on the lab report. And if you... Does that help? (laughs) Yeah, there are some women that have gained a lot of weight and they say, Mm -hmm. I can't lose it because it's my thyroid. You know, that Mm -hmm. is is why I've got so big. It is my thyroid. Are those people Mm -hmm. able with help and support to get the thyroid in a good place so that they're able to lose that weight? Because, it, I mean, some people are yes, so heavy. Yes, it depends, too. There are, there are some practitioners, and I've, I've shadowed many, many, many functional practitioners who it's, there's, a, there's a debate surrounding how much of the weight is, is, can be contributed to thyroid levels. For example, we may take a woman and put her on thyroid hormone and her labs show she's optimal and she's lost a little bit of weight. Some doctors say the most you can expect to lose based on optimal thyroid dosing may be 10 to 15 pounds. Others say other numbers. So a lot of it may be related to, you know, inflammation, uh, food sensitivities, food sensitivity issues. Uh, could be related to, you know, we're so tired when we're hypothyroid. We can't, we don't exercise. We don't feel well enough to exercise. Mm -hmm. So it's not that just the medication alone can be um, held responsible for the main contributing factor for losing weight, but it definitely helps, and it definitely helps with when we're hypothyroid and our thyroid levels aren't optimal, we're, there's this cellular waste that builds up because the cells can't detoxify optimally. And um, so that's part of it. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I have had patients who we got them on thyroid hormone, and unless they made other lifestyle changes and corrected diet and nutrient deficiencies, they didn't lose um, but maybe five to six pounds mm-hmm. with the thyroid hormone. So medication's not a standalone treatment. 
what, for anything really. <sighs> but what about <laughs> detoxing? Mhm. Is that something you do? Um, it depends. So I'm a huge fan of detoxification. I've I've studied it. I have a certification in detoxification and and um, environmental toxins. It depends on the extent to which adrenal fatigue is a factor and what type of detoxification program you're talking about. Um, you don't want to do anything that's going to overstress the adrenals any more than they already are. So we have to be careful in that regard. Um, I'm not a fan of intense, you know, juicing detox programs uh, for patients with autoimmune conditions in general. It's just a, it's an individual, unique situation. I don't have a blanket, broad recommendation, mm -hmm. uh, even as a nurse nutritionist, that I, that I would say all Hashimoto's patients need to do necessarily. Now, I do run seasonal online um, detoxification programs for women with Hashimoto's. Uh, but it's supported, there's engagement, and um, it's a reasonably safe program using real food oh, for detoxification. Mm. That's very good. Mm -hmm. Well, we're running out of time now, so I would like to thank you very much, Shannon, for being with us today and sharing all your information with us. I'm sure that's been helpful to hundreds of people and answering our questions. It's really good. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me, Linda. I enjoyed it. Today's show is sponsored by ShannonGarrettWellness.com. Thyroidness specialist and certified functional nurse nutritionist Shannon Garrett is a Hashimoto's patient dedicated to supporting women struggling with Hashimoto's, hyperthyroidism, adrenal fatigue and hormone balance to find remission. She understands and is proof you can reverse thyroid and autoimmune conditions and enjoy life again. Check out shannongarrettwellness.com. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.